The John Morris Show, episode 128. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. This episode, got a number of things on tap for you. Primarily what I want to get into in this episode is this interview that I stumbled across over the weekend. So we've been we've been kind of going into this this interview series and how to interview and how to get hired at tech companies and I, what I'm really after is trying to get those of you who are who are in a job in a different industry or maybe you're someone who's in college going through a CS degree or a related field you to to give you the confidence to go and apply, to go do it, to know that that you can land that kind of job now as opposed to having to wait until you get your degree or you learn this set of skills that you think that you have to learn before you can get hired at one of these jobs. I want you to go do it now. If you want to be involved in tech, then there's no reason that that you can't go and start applying and start interviewing and at the very least land some sort of entry-level position. And so I really want to encourage you and inspire you to go do that and start taking actions towards this career that you really want. So that's that's ultimately the whole point of this, but I also want to give you some very specific tips on how to do that and, and primarily how to work your way through the interview because that's probably going to be the hardest part of it. The part that's going to mean the most is how well you do in the interviews. So I stumbled across this interview that the CEO of Burberry, Angela Ahrens, had done with Saul Khan of Khan Academy. So you can actually see it if, if you go uh, over on Khan Academy and you go into their entrepreneurship course, there's a series of videos and one of them is this video. And about 20, maybe 25 minutes into it, Saul Khan asked her you know, what she looks for when hiring people and when looking to promote people. What is it that she looks for in her employees? What matters most to Burberry, the company, when they're looking to hire talent and working with talent. And her answer is very revealing. It's it's along the lines of what we've been talking about. And so if you're someone who maybe has heard me say it and they're kind of skeptical, eh, I don't know, I want you to hear it from her. Now, this is the CEO of a over $3 billion a year company. At least that was what they did in 2015. So this is a huge company with thousands and thousands of employees. And she talks about exactly what they look for. And again, it's very, very revealing. So we're going to get into that. But before I do that, you have probably heard about this whole fiasco with Delta. So if you haven't, the basic gist of it is they've had some issues with their computers and they've had outages and and the system not working and so forth. And so they've just had massive delays. And it's been going on for a while now. I mean, I think it's probably been a few, going on a few weeks now where it's been, at the very least, having intermittent outages and huge delays and so forth. And so it's been this really big problem, has likely cost them a ton of money, has really messed up a lot of people's lives. It's kind of been, it's been a fairly big deal. And as actually, as a funny side note, Mike P, who was just in town and I interviewed, he so right now he's working in Providence, Rhode Island, with a client out there, 
And so he'll work out there during the week and then he'll fly back home on the weekends. And so it happened the one weekend where I interviewed him, he flew here and just stayed here. And so that's how I was able to interview him. But he's, so he's been flying back and forth and he's a Delta guy. So (laughs) he's been texting me and sending me pictures of all the different delays and so forth. And he's been, he's been pretty frustrated by it. So uh, it's kind of funny, but as it turns out, one of Delta's biggest problems is that they just have disgustingly out-of-date software infrastructure. I mean, we're talking about decades old in some cases, which in internet internet years, you might as well be chiseling their tickets out of stone. That's how old some of this stuff is. Now, anybody who's, you know, I spent, for me, it was the military and my wife worked for the attorney general for a while and I'd been in the office and seen some of the stuff that they have. But even working in the military, and the military really compared to a lot of big companies or a lot of other parts of the government is actually tends to stay up to date a little bit more because they, it's not because they have some philosophical commitment to keeping things up to date. It's, it has to do with hacking. And so they just don't want to get hacked. And so we actually were always ahead of where a lot of other parts of the government and even big companies were. But even then, we were always two to three years behind where things were in the rest of the world. I mean, you could probably go right now into some big company or some government institution and find a whole series of computers running Windows XP and IE6. I mean, it probably still exists. So if you've worked with that at all, this kind of thing, seeing this with Delta, it's not... It's not surprising. And so what's kind of been happening is the fact that Delta has these old outdated systems, yet they're trying to make those systems work with the new things like mobile apps and the web pages and so forth. They're trying to mishmash mishmash all this together and it just kind of exploded on them. And so it's been, again, quite a mess. And... I bring this up because it reminds me a little bit of some coders. Now, you MySQL Connect people know who you are. (laughs) But there is one that I have to admit that I was behind the times on, that I had not heard of. Now, to to my defense, or in my defense, I'm not a big JavaScript guy. I don't write a ton of JavaScript. So it's not something that I'm heavily, heavily invested in. So you cut me a little slack, but I still hadn't even heard of this. And so what it is, is something called ES6. Now, if you haven't heard of that, (laughs) it's okay. I'm with you. But what it is, is a brand new implementation of JavaScript that came out about a year ago. I think it was November, 2015, around that time when this new implementation came out. And I had no idea. Now, what's cool about this, what a lot of it is, is what they call syntactical sugar that updates or or makes it easier the, the syntax that you're writing. So I'd covered some of this a little bit before, but another one of the things that they came out with was the introduce, introduction of classes an actual class 
uh, keyword that you can use. Not necessarily the introduction of classes. You could create classes before in ES5, but it was kind of convoluted and a bunch of different ways to do that. Well, they've kind of standardized it with a class keyword. Now you can actually create a class using the keyword class really similarly, at least syntax-wise, or uh, appears similarly on the surface to something you might create with, say, PHP or, or, or something else. So they've kind of standardized that process. So that's one of the the many updates. I talked about some of this before where they've updated and made it easier to to use variables and strings and they've made it easier to do multi uh, multiple lines of text without having to constantly contentate everything or concatenate everything however you say that word and so there's lots and lots of updates that have come out in this ES6 javascript this new implementation and i bring this up because chances are if you're learning javascript right now that the tutorials, the videos, the things that you're watching, that you're using to learn it are based off of the old ES5 because those are the things that are likely to show up in search engines because they've been around longer. So if you're Googling for this stuff, you're probably going to see the old implementation. What that means is when you learn that stuff through YouTube, on Google tutorials and so forth, and then you realize that there's this ES6, you're going to have to go back and unlearn certain things and relearn them the new way. And I don't want you to get into a Delta-like situation. So the fortunate thing is right now Udemy is in, or Udemy is in the middle of launching a brand new course, which covers all of ES6. And it's not just ES6. Right? It's all of JavaScript, but done with the new implementation so that you learn the most current, up-to-date, latest and greatest version of JavaScript right from the start. That course is called ES6 JavaScript, A Complete Developer's Guide, and it's by Steven Greider. I believe is how you say his name. Now, right now in the middle of the launch, you can get 50 for 50% off of the course. So I want to encourage you, if you're someone who's looking to learn JavaScript, to head on over and check that out. Now, you can get that 50% discount using the link johnmorrisonline.com slash ES6. That'll trigger the 50% discount for you. And by the way, it's not only on this course, you'll get 50% off all the participating courses over on Udemy. So you can grab this course. If there's some other ones you want to look around and find too, you can still get 50% off of those. So if you've been eyeing one, this is a great opportunity to go grab it. But if you want to learn JavaScript, I recommend you learn the latest and greatest implementation of it. And this course will allow you to do that. Now, that discount ends at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on August 19th, 2016. So if you're listening to this after that, sorry, but but the launch is over and that that discount no longer applies. But if you're Listen to this right as it comes out. You only have a few days left before you can grab it. So be sure to jump over there and snap that up. All right, I got to take a break. When we get back, we're going to dive into Angela Arendt's and her interview with Saul Khan and Academy and talk about the specifics of getting hired at a tech company. 
You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again, but there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these foundational skills and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete a a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website, when you can execute on that, you can start. And you can start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the in the first place instead of continuing to slave away at some job making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course, The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. All right, this segment, I want to get into now this interview between Saul Khan and Angela Arendt over on Khan Academy and talk, really get into, you know, if, if you could go into the mind of the person interviewing you and you could just get them to tell you exactly what they wanted to hear from you, what they wanted you to say, what exactly what they were looking for. If you could get that from them, wouldn't it make it just a hundred times easier for you to go into an interview knowing what to say, knowing what they were after? I, I think it would. And this is an opportunity to do that because she's very direct and very clear about what they're after. There's... It, 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 there's no beating around the bush with with what she said in this interview with Saul Khan. Now, I'm getting a little context for this. 
Burberry, she's the CEO of Burberry, and Burberry is a roughly $3.2 billion a year company, a huge company. They've got thousands and thousands of employees. She, in the interview, constantly talks about 10,000 people around the world. So I assume by that she means they have roughly about 10,000 employees in there spaced out all over the world. And not only do they do a lot of revenue, have a lot of companies, but in 2015, I believe it was, they were up 13% at the time that she did this interview over the previous years in terms of revenue over the previous year. So they had grown essentially 13%. And that was far outpacing everybody else in the industry and really everybody else in retail. In fact, she said their biggest competitor was up 3% at that time. So they were outperforming. So this is not just a company that was big and massive and stodgy and old. They are a big old company, but they had been going through, they talk about in the interview, they'd been going through a revitalization. And she was a big part of that. And the initiatives that she was implementing, especially in terms of the company culture and the hiring processes and so forth, and the people that, that they were looking for, she had changed a ton of it. And that was a big part of their resurgence and why they were up 13%. So going, being able to get inside her mind and understand what she's looking for when hiring somebody can give you some real insight into what ultimately a lot of big companies, a lot of CEOs and so forth are looking for and what really ultimately matters to them. Because Burberry is not the only company that thinks this way. In fact, most of the big companies you'll find at the very least say that they believe this stuff, which gives you a point of leverage when going into an interview. So let me, let me just go to the, to, to the, I cut out a little clip for you to, to hear when she answers this question. So let's just go to that and you can kind of listen for yourself. When you look at the organization, you must be looking at people. Oh, look at look at him. Look at her. Mm, that's she's got some potential. He's got some potential. Hey, that that could be my that could be the the next CEO. What are you looking at? What are the traits that you're seeing in those people that are really uh, uh, striking you as as someone who might be able to one day step into your shoes? It's a great question, and we look at it honestly at all levels of the company, and um, and I and I would even say probably less my shoes, right? Because, you know, that would mostly be a lot of my direct reports, et cetera. So I, I would tell you at every level of the company, um, and we hire for it as well. So, um, <laughs> sounds terrible, but we, we culturally compatible. Yeah, yeah. Right. We always say we don't want tissue rejection because it, you know, it, it's tough to bring people into your culture. So, tissue rejection, like, oh, and these gr- yeah, skin yeah. grafting or, yeah. Uh, yes, and yes, we just don't it's want the wrong that. Blood you know? yep, so, yep, so, yep. so, so people go through such rigor before we bring them into the company, and we always say, are they culturally compatible? Right. Do we trust them? Um, do we like them, obviously, but do we trust them? Do mm. we believe them? Do they believe in our mission yeah. and what we're doing? Because I, you know, we can't afford to make a mistake. So, so, so I would tell you with anybody going to the next level, there is transparency, trust, um, our core values, the, all those soft things we talked about. When they reach a certain level, it's a given they're smart. Yeah. It's a given they have high IQ, yeah. but we need high EQ. You know, and, and I always say that everybody in the company needs a little right and left brain, right? Two extremes yeah. because then they don't feel. 
and you know and we always say that you know we can teach people anything but we can't teach them to care we can't teach them to feel okay now i want to point out a few of the things that that she said that uh, should hopefully stand out to you so when asked the question her direct answer is when what do you look for when he asked what do you look for her direct answer ultimately was culturally compatible that Someone who who was a really, really good fit for the company culture. Now, this is what I've been harping on for the last few episodes, that the companies that say this stuff, that take the time to develop a vision statement, a mission statement, outline what their company culture is, their values, etc. The The companies that take time to do that this stuff is what is most important to them because as she said they feel like they can teach skill wise they we can teach anybody anything skill wise but we can't teach them the other side we can't teach them to care we can't teach them to be reliable we can't teach them work ethic we don't have the time and resources to do that it's not that those things can't be learned but as a company, we don't have the resources to do that kind of stuff. That stuff's much harder to teach. And it can be more damaging when mistakes are made. But if you have someone who cares, you have someone who's trustworthy, you have someone who's genuinely trying to do the right thing, and it's simply a lack of skill that maybe led to a mistake, that can be corrected more easily. That we can deal with. But someone who's dishonest or unreliable, that 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 is much more difficult to deal with and frankly a company could could maybe never train somebody to be that way that just may be how they choose to be so cultural fit is what they really look for and if if you we continue on she said some of the questions they ask themselves do we trust them do we believe them do we like them but do we trust and believe them and do they believe in our mission? If, if all of the things that I've said about this, if there's one thing that you write down and really look at, it's that one. They ask, do the people they're hiring believe in the company's mission? That should tell you something about what is important to these companies. It should tell you something about the kind of research you should do before you ever walk into an interview. Skill set, yes, you have to have, there's a certain level of skill set. Now, if you're applying for an entry-level job, which is primarily what we're talking about here, that barrier is going to be pretty low. It's mainly going to be someone who wants to get into tech. Right, someone who said, you know, I want to take this on. You don't even necessarily have to have a ton of skill. It's just you want to do it because that's hard enough to find. And then if you have some understanding of, like Mike P said, object-oriented programming and just some basic tech principles, then that's a plus. But what matters more to these companies is do you – do you fit their culture? Are you trustworthy? Are you honest? Can we believe what you say? And do you believe in what we're doing? And she says, because we can't afford 
to make a mistake. Now, I've, I've gone through the statistics of how much bad hires cost companies. And c- companies, especially a big company like Burberry, they know. They probably have it tracked down to the cent how much a bad hire costs them. And they probably have done the study to find out that most of the bad hires, what constitute a bad, bad hire, comes down to someone who doesn't fit culturally. Now, I'm not talking about the broad sense of culture, like different cultures, you know, from different countries. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the company culture, whatever that company culture is. Now, somebody brought this up over on YouTube that it's not necessarily uh, a company doesn't necessarily ask those questions because they actually care about culture. It's they just want someone they're trying to find out if there's someone who's obedient and so forth. And, And I would say that. That that depends. There are absolutely companies who their that is their culture. Their culture is one of they want obedience. But there's also a lot of companies where that's not the case. But my point isn't about the spe- what the specific culture is. I mean, there's I've worked for companies with all sorts of different culture cultures. It's that that is what's important to them. More than the skill set. The skill set is, it's a side effect or it's either a given or it's something that they're not as initially concerned about. So what they care about is their culture, their mission. She mentions transparency, trust, and core values. Do they believe in our core values? And again, she says, we can teach people anything. We can't teach them to care. We can't teach them to feel. Now, why does all this matter? Why should we why should we even get into this? Because there's a certain amount of time and energy that you can put into your preparation for an interview that you might do. Okay, there's only so much time that you're going to have. There's only so much so many hours in a day, only so much energy you're going to have to be able to put towards it. Making sure you're putting that energy towards the right thing. This is what I see happen all the time. I've got message after message after message about this. Is people spend most of their time prepping for an interview, worrying about the skills that they don't have. Again and again and again and again, I get this. It's always, I don't have this skill set. And I don't have, they, when these companies put out, it's, it's fascinating to me. When these companies put out these job requests or they they put out these uh you know the the whatever they put out to to saying they're looking for someone the 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 requirements of the job it's this long list you know probably 20 things of what they're looking for and they'll say it would be it would be a plus if you know a plus if you know like half of them are it's a plus if you know and then some are considered i can tell you that 90% of the time, in, in my experience, that stuff doesn't matter. It's BS. It, it's, like a, it's like a filter, just to filter out people who aren't confident in themselves. I've been hired for jobs where I specifically did not have one of the things that they said was a dead requirement for me to get the job. One of the jobs I got, it was a requirement to have a four-year degree. Not four-year degree or equivalent experience. Four-year degree. I don't. I didn't have one. I still don't have one. I got hired for the job. 
I get messages all the time from people. I talked about one a while back where they said that the person needed to know PHP. And he told them, I don't know PHP, but I'm learning it. But I know this other stuff that you, all this other stuff that you want. And they hired him. So you can't, this is what people, they spend their time worrying about the skills on that list that they don't have. Thinking that somehow making up some excuse for that or finding some clever way of, of saying I don't have this particular skill or working around it is going to be what gets them the job. It's not. It's not. What overrides that and really what matters more, you could have all those checked off. And if you're not a good culture fit, if they don't think you're trustworthy or honest, it's not going to matter. What matters is, do you fit their culture? So what you should spend your time on, this is ultimately the point of all this, what you should spend your time on is not worrying about the skills you don't have, not trying to quick study up and, and get those skills, not trying to fill out your application in a way or learn how to answer questions in a way related to the skills you do or don't have. What you should be spending your time on before an interview is researching the company, understanding what their vision and mission statements are, what their culture is, what they stand for, who they are. And most importantly, this is probably the one thing in the interview with Mike P that I think 99% of people missed. He said specifically in that interview, it's less about you trying to come up with some lines that you can say in an interview that make you sound like you're a good fit for their culture and more about actually looking at what you want. So when you're researching the company, it, it yes, it's to say the right things, but it's to say the right things because you actually believe them, because you actually are a good fit, because you only apply it to companies where the culture, the values, the vision, the mission are something you really believe in that you really want to be a part of. It's about what you want. Because the last thing that you want to do, and look, I I understand that this advice sounds very ivory tower when, you know, well, for me, if someone had told this to me when I was stuck in the pizza joint cooking chicken for eight hours a day, walling around in Greece, and they said, it's less about the job you get and more about what you want to do long term, I would I definitely would have rolled my eyes and scoffed a little bit. I would have said, yeah, well, come come with me for a day and see what you think at the end of the shift. So I get it. But it also happens to be true. Because what you don't realize when you're in that situation is that you think getting a tech job is, is, is going to solve all the problems. What you realize is if you don't get the right one, if you don't work for the right company, You're going to be just as miserable doing that as you were doing the thing you are now. And you're going to be right back where you were five, ten years from now. And that's much worse. Trust me, that is much worse than maybe dealing with where you're at now for a few more months. To take the time to find a company that you really resonate with. So ultimately, it's about you and you doing the research beforehand to find the right company for you. Now, let me let me give you an example. You can go go over to Buffer right now. Buffer is kind of a big tech company hiring all the time. They have this tool that they use as a recruitment tool, really. 
and they allow you to enter some of your information, what skill level you're at, and they'll tell you what you you would make at Buffer because their their pay, the way they pay their employees is transparent. Everybody knows what everybody else makes. It's very transparent and so forth. So they tell you what you, you would make if you worked at Buffer given your skill level and the the different skills you know and so forth. But if you read through their hiring process, most of it is talks about their culture. In fact, they say in there specifically at one point, at least last time I was reading it, that if you're not a good culture fit, they're not going to hire you. That they don't care what your skill set is. They don't say it in those words, but that it's very, very culture, culture dependent. And they advise you to take time and really learn it before you do the interview. Because they're going to ask you about it. And they're really going to try to get to the core of whether you resonate with that culture or not. And that ultimately that's what matters most to them. Because the and the reason why, the thing you have to understand is this isn't just some thing that companies do. It's because they believe it drives everything else. They believe if they have a good culture fit, then they can get performance. They can teach you the skills and you'll learn them. You'll perform, etc. So it it absolutely is about performance, but they believe that the cause of good high performance is a good culture fit. So go over to Buffer. Buffer is a great example. Big tech company, some a, a job that probably tons of people would love to get hired at. And look at what they ask for. Look at what they talk about. It's all culture. So this is the stuff that matters to these companies. These are the things that you should be looking at. Now, a couple things on that. First off, as I've mentioned, I did a full hour-long interview with Mike P. Now, Mike P's story is interesting and unique because of just how quickly he made the transformation from a broke college student to a six-figure coder working with some of the top brands in the world and in just the span of three years. It's, it's pretty amazing. And so obviously there's a lot that you can learn from a guy like that. And so this full hour interview is quite revealing. He talks a lot about the same stuff, a lot of the stuff that he looks for. Now, the specifics are often different. What Angela Ahrens looks for culture-wise is different than what Mike P and his company look for, right? But it's always about culture. That's why you got to look and find out how you fit. But he again, this interview is very revealing, gives a lot of specific tips about how to do this kind of thing, how he's made his transformation. So that's that's number one. Number two is I'm doing a series, Ace the Interview, where I'm going through all of this, where I'm laying out everything that I've learned over the years, getting hired for jobs I had no business getting hired for. I mean, I got hired back at a company that I had walked out on just months before. And I went from just a regular employee to being a, they hired me back as a manager. Knowing what I had done, they still kept me. I got hired for a sales job where my qualifications wasn't even close. No business getting hired there. All because, and they, this isn't my theory, they've told me because I aced the interview. Being able to ace an interview 
is the single most important skill that you can learn when it comes to getting hired because it gives you tremendous confidence. You can apply for jobs that you're like, I I, I shouldn't get hired for this job, but I'm going to apply anyway because I can ace the interview. Now, you got to make sure that when you do get hired for the job, you're ready for it, right? But it gives you tremendous confidence. It when when you when the world's going crazy and haywire and the economy's in the toilet and everybody's talking doom and gloom, eh? I don't I don't I can go get hired for any job I want. I mean, I probably couldn't get CEO of G, right? But I can go if I had to. I could go get a job. I could get hired in probably the next three or four days. So when you have this skill set, it gives you tremendous confidence. And peace of mind, because you can, you know that you can, I can go, okay, this job didn't like me. I can go get that job or this, my, my company went out of business. I can go get that job, right? It just tremendous confidence. And I want to give that to you. I want you to have that gift and that peace of mind. And that's why I'm doing all of these, talking about on the podcast, doing the Ace of the Interview series, doing the interviews with Michael P. Now, all of that stuff along with my PHP 101 course, which by the way, module two of that is imminent. I've got it all recorded. I've got it all edited. I've got it all rendered. I've just got to package it up and put it up. So that's going to be happening very, very quickly. So module one and module two here shortly, plus all of my source code that's available as a supporting listener over on Patreon at the exclusive courses level. You get all that. So if you're someone who's really looking to break into tech, really looking to get that confidence to take control of your own destiny when it comes to your career, that's the way to do it. All right, I'm going to wrap up here then with a little story. And I call this my my four-year-old's secret. Now, this is maybe the one thing that I will always regret, but... I want it to use it as an example for you to not hold back so that you don't end up with ho- holding this same kind of regret the rest of your life. So I missed the birth of my oldest son, Isaiah, because he was born when I was right in the middle of advanced individual training, which most people call AIT for the army. And I couldn't leave. Well, I could have left. They gave me the option, but they told me, if you leave, you'll get recycled and have to start all the way back at the beginning. So I was, I was about a week away from my training being done. And if I had left, I was going to have to start all the way back at the beginning. So I, ultimately, I would have been there for his birth, but missed a big chunk, chunk of after him being born. And I felt like it was more important for me at the time. I felt like it was more important for me to be there afterwards to help my wife and so forth. So I made that decision. Now, looking back on it and having been through the births of my two, two younger sons, knowing what I know now, I may have made a different decision because nothing compares to being there for the birth of one of your children, but neither here nor there. So I missed his birth. And then it it was just barely two years later that I got called up 
stood back down, called up again, and ultimately deployed to Iraq. And I missed in all that about another year and a half to two years of his life. And it was those early important years. The, the formative years, I can see it in my, my two younger sons now, especially my youngest son, how important those years are. Now, my eight-year-old Davin, he had it only slightly better. I was there for his birth. I was there kind of at the beginning. But he was two when I got called to active duty stateside to train soldiers deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan. And I was gone for about three years. I was mobilized for three years. You know, I got to come back at holidays and so forth. But day in and day out, I was gone. And so I basically missed three years of his life in those, again, formative early years. And those are moments that I can never get back. And that is why today I cherish every moment I have with my four-year-old chance. Because he's the lucky one. Being four now, I haven't missed a day of his life. I've been around the whole time. He was born shortly after I came off of those active duty orders stateside. I've been around, I haven't missed a single day. In fact, because I work from home, we actually get to hang out every day. He doesn't go to daycare. No, I get a homeschool. No me going off to work. No daddy being gone for years at a time. And so... That's why I clearly understand, getting to the point of all this, I clearly understand what all this is really about. This whole getting tech thing, coding thing, what it really gets down to. I know what it means because I know what it means to me. See, the thing is, is Jance, he doesn't even know. He doesn't know what it's like, what it's like for my two older sons. He has no, what it, no idea what it's like to have daddy gone. Has no idea what it's like to ask his mom every day. Mom, when is dad coming home? He has no idea what it's like to show up at the airport waiting impatiently for dad to get off the plane. Or the only thing that you get at night is a phone call. Or worrying and that maybe dad might never come back. He has no idea. And that is exactly how I want it. So this is the gift that technology has given me. Every day I wake up knowing that my youngest son will never have to experience that pain like my older two kids did because I hadn't got it figured out yet. He'll never hurt like those two did. And for me, that's what drives me. That's what keeps me doing what I'm doing. So again, I get it. I get that it's more. Now for you, it might be your kids. It might be your spouse. It might be giving them a lifestyle you never dreamed of as a kid. It might be just feeling like you're in part of something important. Having meaning and significance in your life. Or it just may be right now putting food on the table. But whatever it is, I know it's about more than a few curly brackets and semicolons. And what I'm telling you, and I want you to listen very closely here, really 
focus in and hunker down here. There is a way out. Now, as soon as I say that, your mind spins. I know it. You're, you're like me. Your mind goes, oh, here we go. Oh. Oh. I know it. The doubt creeps in. The skepticism creeps in. But what you have to do, what you have to realize is, the reason I push you so hard to, to take a course, to apply at a job, to get access to this, that, or the other, because I believe it. I've done it. I've been through it. I wouldn't push it so hard if I didn't believe in it. I know it can change your life. But you have to get all of the hysteria going on inside of your head. You have to set all that aside. You have to be able to push it aside and really focus in on what it is that you actually want. All the excuses, all the doubting, all the fear and the what-ifing. Everything that tells you not to take action, not to be bold, not to take risks. You have to put it aside. You have to push it out of your head. Because the truth is, there is a whole new world waiting for you. You just have to go for it. And I believe that there is a ticket out of all of this. Now, in there's a, there's a community of us who've made it through this, and we're waiting over here for you. So consider this your initiation into the fraternity if you're up for the challenge. Now, in general, that way out is the three things that I always mentioned. An integrated program of instruction, building things, actual applications while you learn, and having a mentor. That's why I constantly push you to courses. Udemy, the stuff I have on Patreon, my own PHP course. I push you there because I believe it's so important. I know there's people out there, oh, you can go to you can go to Code Academy or you can go here, go there. Okay. But have you seen some of these paid courses that are out there? I mean, that that stuff's good, but it does not compare in my mind to the quality that you get, to the investment that you get. And it sure as heck isn't going to get you a mentor that comes along with it. Please show me something free out there where where someone, you're going to have the instructor who actually cares, is going to be there and help you walk through it and actually do a good job of it. So that's why I push you to that stuff. That's why the building real application, that's why I tell you to freelance. That's why I push you to start taking clients sooner rather than later, before you're comfortable. That's not the end goal. That's a part of the learning process is building real things, working with clients. Whether you're going to get a career with a company or not, you should freelance for a while to really understand that one-on-one direct interaction with someone who wants you to build something for them technology-wise and you gaining the confidence that you can do it. Because when you can do it all on your own, you can sure as hell do it when you have the support of a huge company around you. So that's why I push you to freelance. And again, that's why I push you to to mentor, to find someone 
That's why I put out as info, as much information as I can on a regular basis, because I think of it as kind of virtual mentoring in a way. So I do all of this stuff because I believe it works. I believe it is your way out. What you have to do is find a way to all the excuses, all the skepticism, all the doubt, all the fear, all that nonsense that's going on in your head. As soon as I say any of this stuff, what your mind immediately snaps to, it's a defense mechanism. It's keeping you comfortable. It's keeping you safe and it's keeping you locked in the life that you have now that presumably you don't want. And I want you out of it. I want you going after what it is that you really want. So, all that said, again, I, I want to encourage you, whatever it is, I have my PHP course at johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP if you want to learn PHP. I have a number of courses available through Patreon. That same PHP course, Lightning Responsive, my ACE the Interview series, soon Module 2 for my PHP 1 course will be available there. Tons and tons of source code and videos, etc. I have all that stuff. But say, hey, you know what? You say, screw John. I don't like him. Fine. Go on Udemy. Go somewhere. I mean, go, go, go over to my resources page at johnmorrisonline.com slash resources. There's a whole list of courses over there, not by me, that are some of the best courses on the planet for learning this stuff. And a lot of them, maybe all of them, I've worked out discounts on those courses for you. Like I'm doing everything that I can to eliminate every excuse that you might have to just go for it and do this. But start taking those actions. Start doing it now. Because I absolutely believe if you do that, the amount of time it's going to take you, if you follow those three things, the amount of time it's going to take you to get where you want to go is going to be dramatically less. You'll find that you can do it. The confidence will grow. And you'll be one of those people who emails me not that long from now and says, you know what? I just went for it. Every single one of these I get, they say, you know what? I listened to XX episode and I decided I was just going to go for it. And lo and behold, I was so surprised they actually hired me or I actually got the client or whatever. You just got to go for it. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Don't want to rant on you too much here, but we'll wrap up the episode there. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it so they know that you like this kind of content. If you know somebody could benefit from hearing this, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with them so we can reach even more people with this message, get even more people inspired, getting more people out there, going to interviews, taking on freelance clients, etc. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. This is, again, is a podcast only. You can only get it, johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes for your Apple device, johnmorrisonline.com slash Android for your Android device, and johnmorrisonline.com slash SoundCloud for basically everywhere else. All right, thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time.